every major movie of the 90s in chronological order. Rewatched and dissected. Sick references. Trivia bombs. Listen as they try to not get canceled. It's the 90s. Repeated. Hello and welcome to the 90s Repeated, the movie podcast where we revisit the best films of the 90s from the very beginning. With me, Dave, Jim. Hello. And Fish. Hello. This week it's July 1990 and we're repeating the biggest box office success of the entire year of 1990. And it's the only movie produced by somebody called Weinstein that it's still okay to love. Starring G.I. Jane herself, no, not Jada Pinkett Smith, Demi Moore, and that creepy petty pet <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you were so close. Yeah, you almost got through it. I'll do it again. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, no, it's not a good start. I'll start again. I'll start again. Hello and welcome to the 90s Repeated, the movie podcast where we revisit the best films of the 90s from the very beginning with me, Dave, Jim. Hello. And Fish. Hi again. This week it's July 1990 and we're repeating the biggest box office success of the entire year of 1990 and the only movie produced by somebody called Weinstein that it's still okay to love, starring G.I. Jane herself, <laughs> no, not Jada Pinkett Smith, Demi Moore and that creepy pedophile from Donnie Darko, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> It's Ghost. Cue, Cue the, the trailer. trailer. <laughs> I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to tell the police? She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. Well, this psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't open the damn door, he's a murderer. You gotta take all your anger, all your love, all your hate, and then let it explode. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. Okay, guys. Um, so, in, in true the '90s repeated fashion, we are going to do a music round where I am going to play a song of the era, and then Jim or Fish have to guess what the song is from the sound clip. I believe it is five all or six all, but it's tied. I remember that from the it, last episode. It is six all, yeah. Six all. Yeah. I just wanted go. to say something about this quickly because mm. I think somewhere along the line we've lost the essence of the point of this, right? Yeah. And I think the point of it is because I and I think the friends you guys we made along the way. Okay, I don't get that reference, but I'm sure it was brilliant. <laughs> um, what was the point? Sorry, yeah. We have often said that we struggle to remember uh, where we first saw these films. And mm. I think having a little musical cue of the era yeah. triggers our memories a little bit better. I mean, specifically, when you a couple of podcasts ago, when you played Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka <laughs> Dot Bikini, it all came I, I had yeah, I had real flashbacks of like my childhood bedroom from the time. And that's Oof. not creepy and weird. When Timmy but, Mallet came in and left you crying in the corner. Exactly. But I just think it's a little, it just gives you a little bit of a, a nudge as, as to what was happening that year. 
or that yeah. week or that month. I think it really helps. And uh, I'm sorry I brought back those painful memories. It's also fun to try and beat Jim. Yeah, it is, it is fun to try and beat Jim, always. Right, okay, I'm going to share the screen. You're going to have to keep your eyes closed, guys. Yeah. Close them eyes, balls. Close them eyes. exciting. Right, here comes the song. Are you ready? Here we go. Sounds like uh, the B-52s. It is the B-52s. Oh, well, Jim. Go on. I have no idea what the song is, though. If it's not Love Shack. <laughs> yeah, if it's not Love Shack or Rock Lobster, we don't know. <laughs> it's called Rome. It's called Rome. B-52 is Rome. And that was I'll give one. Jim the points. I'll give him the points. Yeah, Jim's got to have it for saving the band. Well done. Let's, uh, let's see if it was number one. Because this website told me it was. Rome by the <laughs> B-52s. UK singles chart. US Billboard Hot 100. Got to number three. Close enough. We might have to move Close to top five. We might have yeah, to. Yeah. Might have to. Yeah. Well, without further ado, let's uh, talk about the movie we were all here to talk about, which is Ghost. And, Ghosts um, aren't real, though, are they? Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, in true yeah, 90s repeated fashion, let's start with you, Fish. How, when was the first time you saw Ghost? Do you remember the movie well? Uh, what were your feelings going into watching it this time? I think for the first time in however many episodes this is, 14, I think, official, mm. not counting bonuses... Mm. This is the first time I've got a razor-sharp, clear, <laughs> crystal memory of the exact moment I watched this film. Oh, wow. Okay. Can now, it be repeated for the mass audiences? Imagine you're an eight-year-old boy settling down to mm. watch a blockbuster Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg film with your mother and sister. Right. Imagine you're ten minutes into the film and... They start doing pottery. Your mother and your sister? <laughs> Hot. Oh, no. oh, yes. No. <laughs> I knew I loved the, the fish household. Yes, we lived in a warehouse. <laughs> oh, my love, my darling. Oh, that's an image that's not going to leave. <laughs> Sorry, you were talking about the movie. I misunderstood. Sorry, I was just messaging my therapist. Hang on. <laughs> They're not going to help you. But no, not no. too late now. For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, <clears throat> essentially, we're watching the film. I'm eight years old. The uh, I'm calling it the pottery fuck scene. Yeah. Comes on, and uh, my mother covers my eyes. Interesting enough, that was the original title of the great pottery throwdown. <laughs> pottery, <laughs> pottery fuck scene. <laughs> that would have got more viewers <laughs> but I remember I even remember which chair I was sat in guys I bet you when did. my eyes were covered <laughs> right so yeah crystal clear this one absolutely laser focused okay mm. and was that and, the last time you saw it? well I don't know uh, possibly genuinely possibly was the whole way through I think I do think I've watched it in bits and pieces since, um, mm. may, maybe all the way through, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, but I was uh, he- I was hesitant going in because I I'm aware that it's a chick flick. Well, not yeah. that. It's just got it's a bit heavy in it, mm. like death and emotions and. It's um, not that heavy though. It's a bit it's, heavy. 
it's well, not. This game, no, I mean, he, this is his perception going in, Jim. Not yeah, okay, maybe fair how enough. About yeah, it. That, 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 yeah, that was my thoughts. It was like, he oh, was thinking, I'm not, heavy movie. I'm not yeah. looking forward to watching not this. Not looking forward to it, got you. Yeah, basically, that's how I felt. Jim? Okay. I mean, I had a similar feeling about going in that I wasn't particularly excited for it or looking forward to it because I kind of, my not necessarily my memory, but my knowledge of the movie is that it's kind of a romance, you know, a romantic mm-hmm. film. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about that going in. And I mm. sort of had these vague memories of like when I was a kid, actually watching this film quite a lot, but not mm. remembering any of it. And there's sort yeah. of like some standout scenes where I thought, oh yeah, I kind of remember that, but I had no recollection of the story whatsoever. Um, and more so, I think I remember like the parodies of this film. So mm. I remember the pottery scene from like Naked Gun. Yeah. <laughs> like two and a half or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So I think that stuck out in my memory more than the actual film. Um, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. Oh, he's, 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 he's dropping some hints. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so for me, not any strong memories of the movie. Um, I'd, I'd definitely seen it when I was younger. It's like the movie that I know that my mum would like probably. Um, and... Yeah, I, I wasn't um, expecting much from it. I was expecting, yeah, like a pretty woman thing where maybe I would feel like, ugh, you know. Yeah, what do you mean? I would... Pretty woman was amazing. I should have been expecting <laughs> well, I, that. I was, no, worried, I was worried that I was, I was worried that I, it would feel, yeah, crash commercial fake, you know. Um, but uh, like Jim, and I'll go even further really blown away by this movie and i actually think it is the best film that we've watched so far wow on this podcast and i'll get into the reasons why as we go on but really really Ooh. impressed amazed blown away by the film like really took yeah really took me by surprise mm-hmm. okay. how much i enjoyed it yeah then do you i mean you guys want to open up like just did you enjoy it are we going to have a, a good time yeah i enjoyed it very much so i enjoyed it a lot and i think it was because it was not what i was expecting from what i remember yeah agreed um, it's uh, an interesting blend of genres and, you know, just it's a yeah, good story, isn't it? Brings us straight away into the just literally the opening of the movie mm. um, where if you're watching it right, and I, I don't know if you guys were, but I obviously have, you know, my, my cinema set up at home that I'm fairly happy with and comfortable, spent a lot of coin on it, Nerd. had the volume cracked up, boom, straight away, gets you with a big jump scare. Because yes. the titles come up and it's ghost. You're like, oh shit! It's like you're watching <laughs> Insidious, isn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh my, whoa! You like jump out of your seat. You're like, oh shit! And then, and then, and then, like thirty seconds go by, and they get you another jump scare when they like hammer through the wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, this movie's having fun with me, and it's and it's like, okay, so immediately it's like something clever's going on. Like the guy directing this is having a bit of fun with the audience. Just to back up though, before the jump scares, when the credits start, yeah. did anyone else think they were watching Back to the Future again? Like very these, similar. These white very titles similar. on the black background. Mm. Yeah, the font is very similar. Yeah, hundred percent. Strong Back to the Future vibes there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I take it. I mean, it, it's just a kind of a creepy, whimsy opening, isn't it? Um, and there was a few names in the credits that made me, you know, raise an eyebrow. So, Jim, I don't know if you Walter Murch was the first one. Didn't, didn't mean anything to you. Didn't notice that. Right. So Walter Murch. Um, Probably one of the greatest editors of all time. Um, I'll, I'll pull up his credits, but I'm pretty sure he did Apocalypse Now. But he, that's he uh, did. if I got this wrong, let's he did cut this out. Apocalypse Now, the English Patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, is this the director? 
the, the editor. Oh, the editor. the editor. Okay, okay. But yeah, one of the best editors. Probably the best editor. That, you know, he, if you're learning editing in film score or anything like that, this guy would be the first person that you'd learn about 100%. Yeah. Just because of the way he edited Apocalypse Now and the conversation with... Um, so just some big movies. And, um, you know, even, even recently he did... Let me have a look. It's now the right time to admit that I've never watched Apocalypse Now. Well, it's what Dave's favorite. What I consider the best movie of all time. So we will probably do a spin-off favorite, you know, special at some point, Fish. Because yeah, I, I consider it the greatest movie ever made. So I'm up for it. Should I'd like to watch it? Probably should watch it at some point. Um, um, yeah. So he worked with um, some pretty big hitters. He worked with George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, and he did yeah. this movie, and this movie is extremely well edited. And then also, yeah, produced by Weinstein. Um, did you see that? In I this movie, but okay. it's Lisa Weinstein. Oh, oh! But who I looked and is no relation to no Harvey relation. or Bob Weinstein. No really? relation at all. Just really unfortunate. So I mean, I, obviously, I was coming into this movie a little bit of chip in my shoulder, not expecting to like it. And um, I'll, I'll be honest. So we open up the movie. It all gets smashed. We've got um, two guys with their shirts off, covered in dust, flexing some muscle. Yeah. And Demi Moore in a, in a very large New York New York apartment. And I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> you middle class assholes. <laughs> I don't know what you guys thought. I was like, I can't imagine a time when we went to the cinema and related to people like this. Because I can't relate to these people. Can you? They own a they own a giant loft apartment in New York no. and they're doing it up and renovating it. Were these real people? Yeah, Do but he's a banker, exist? isn't he? He's a banker. He's a high flyer. Which we'll banker. get on to. Well, let's talk about it now, Fish. Okay. Not only is he a banker, he's. I mean, let me get this straight. I enjoyed this movie. I love this movie. But. This guy's a fucking narcissist. It's like I'm watching Patrick Bateman, an American psycho, in <laughs> yeah. this movie, isn't it? What do you mean? <laughs> well, so the opening of the movie, we're introduced to this character. Like, I mean, bearing in mind we're supposed to like these people, Fish. Yeah. The opening of the movie, he, he gets into an elevator and you know, and basically starts pretending to have COVID and is coughing and like sneezing on the other <laughs> members of the talking about how he's killed his dead gran. And we're all supposed to be yucking it up, like, oh, this guy's such a comedian. And I was thinking, what an asshole. Yeah, but this was pre-COVID. That was fine, so, pre-COVID. <laughs> How are you feeling? What the doctor say? He um, said that it was contagious, that it was really... No. Yeah. He said that I shouldn't even be coming in today. <laughs> what about the rash? <coughs> the rash? Mm-hmm. The rash is... um. Also incredibly contagious. He said they've all been spreading. No. <coughs> on your genitals again? Yeah. Yeah, right on the genitals. I literally think the movie gives you zero reason to actually like Patrick Swayze. Sam like, Wheat. Sam Wheat. Sam Wheat. Why, why do we like him? Sam I don't wheat. think the movie gives us a reason. Sam Wheat. Sam Wheat. 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 Yeah, cool. there's no reason cool to like whip. this guy. Cool whip. Cool whip. Oh, <laughs> What'd you say? You can't have a pie without Cool Whip. Cool Whip? Cool Whip, yeah. You mean Cool Whip? Yeah, Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Uh, I, yeah, is, it, is there a reason to like him? Um, I don't think he's dislikable, necessarily. No, it's oh, it's, it's, it's his dislikable. mate that's dislikable. And this is the thing that I was like, because I didn't remember any of the plot of this movie. Okay. But like, right from the start, I was like, well, his mate is definitely the bad guy. Like, yeah. There was no question it's about It's a problem. That. And it's a problem. It's straight there in your face, isn't it? Like when they're kind mm -hmm. of supposed to be doing this like couple thing, it's basically a threesome knocking down this house. What? Was that a deleted scene? <laughs> oh, Dave. 
<laughs> I didn't see that version. What? Yeah. Why is this guy here if not, you know, unless he's... To be the villain? Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's a, look, I, I, again, we're focusing on the negatives, which I'm happy to do, but we'll get on to the positive stuff. But yeah, like, the, the, the friend being the villain, super obvious from the start of the movie, and we're, we get an hour into the into it, and the, the movie's still trying to pretend like we don't all know he's the villain. So definitely yeah. that should have come a lot quicker, and it's probably the weakest part of the film. Because you're like, for Christ's sake, Demi, just... It's obvious that this guy's the, the villain or Patrick. Or but was it obvious in 1990? Yeah, Because I, I think I remember as a kid when <laughs> he follows, Sam Wheat follows Carl to Willie Lopez's apartment. Mm. And that and that realisation that it, he's friends Blew with Blew your little like, mind. <gasps> oh, God. Yeah. But I remember that taking me back. Granted, I was eight, eight years old, but still. Uh, so let's talk about the good... Let's talk, should we talk about more bad things and we get on to the good things? Get the bad stuff out of the way. Should we talk about... You could do. I don't know, where, where, where do you want to start? So, okay, so you guys... I, I think we should start positive. Let's start positive. Well, let's, I, let's big it up. Let's finish the point about, about the fact that I didn't think... So I don't think the movie really does a very good job about fleshing out these characters. So Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. I think that you just rely on the casting. It's like, oh, I, yes. I really liked Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. I really liked Demi Moore in whatever Demi Moore did. What did she do? I don't know. Yeah. But we, we really like her as people. But the movie doesn't give you any reason to like them. They're just rich, middle-class people in a giant loft apartment doing it up. Hmm. And yeah. they have you. I think you like Demi Moore, so I, I noticed this because the script actually won the best Oscar for best script. You know, did it? Um, it oh, did. Okay. I didn't even know that was a category. <laughs> There's actually two fish. There's best original screenplay and best adapted. So this one best original because it's not adapted Good from a grief. book or anything like that. Right. Okay. Um, and when I thought, oh, this movie's pretty good or it's onto something it was so um, dave's gonna get pretty emotional here guys gonna get gonna get deep um when they're in bed together demi moore and patrick swayze patrick swayze says oh you know i'm really scared of that i'm gonna lose you or whatever and you know and he says oh I, I, every time i have anything i think it's gonna go away yeah and and then demi moore says i love you and i was like okay this movie you know, I will only speak to my own experience. I, w- I won't make sweeping generalizations, but I thought, here's a man, Patrick Swayze, Uh-oh. bearing his soul, <laughs> fingers ex- on the button. exposing his weakness. Like uh, he's in his weakest moment. He's, ex- ex- he's exposing his fragility and his insecurity, laying himself bare. And Demi Moore still says she loves him. And that's true love, right? That is love because he's at his weakest point, you know. And I, I think a lot of men in life, you know, if you expose weakness or you, you, you show that you're not strong, that is when sometimes women walk away and it's quite hurtful. But in this movie, Demi Moore obviously loves Patrick Swayze and I thought this is written by a man that understands life and relationships. And it resp- you know, it made an impact on me. Good. It's a strong bond. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. It is. I'm, I'm going to jump in and, and back up Dave here. Yeah, okay. I think actually. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, I also picked up on which I've never done before, Patrick Swayze's, so Sam Wheat's sort of comments on relationships and life. And he, he it's almost like there's a backstory there of some sort of childhood trauma mm-hmm. that's never really explored or gone into. But he he's just says, yeah, he, he's scared of things going away or being taken away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, I love you, because I think he just says it's a word that people say and it doesn't mean anything. It's sort of like he's got parents that abandon him or something, but it's never it's never mentioned or discussed. It's sort of he's he's a uh, he's a damaged character almost straight away. Do you love me, Sam? Yeah. Well, what do you think? Why don't you ever say it? 
What do you mean? Why don't I ever say it? I say it all the time. I feel no, like... No, you don't. You say ditto, and that's not the same. People say I love you all the time, and it doesn't mean anything. I think it's just a bit of masculinity of the time, and, and like I said, I think, and, and, and still a little bit, so I think he, he's but very bear in clearly... Mind, we've just, sorry to interrupt, yeah, but we've just watched Die Hard. Yes, <laughs> true. And like, like, like John McClane is just the, almost the antithesis of Sam Wheat. Absolutely. Isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's like, I think it's about men not wanting to show emotion. I think we're very much in that era, and I think here's a man that's showing a bit of emotion, obviously, I said, and but she still says she loves him, and yeah, I think that's why it kind of maybe resonates with men and women maybe because this movie I, I didn't say at the beginning I normally say the box offer or whatever well I said it was the biggest movie of 1990 I was really impressed that Die Hard 2 was made for like 30 million and did like 250 million right I, I, this, go on Dave what's the numbers this movie I'll get the exact numbers I, I, don't, I don't want to um, this movie made for 23 million yeah 505 million oh yeah. The biggest movie of 1990. Half a billion. Half a billion. Nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars and uh, was the biggest movie of 1990. It yeah. is a smash, isn't it? Smash that? it. Huge. Huge. I wonder, you know, what was the draw for this movie? It must have been Patrick Swayze, right? Coming off the back of like Dirty Dancing, Roadhouse and then Ghost. It's like everyone's going to see Patrick, right? So when I think, when I said at the beginning that this, this is that, the best movie I think we've seen, um, I do think movies primarily as entertainment, not art, right? And so the, the, I, I've talked about this on other podcasts. So a, a movie's success in my mind is how, how it entertains people. And so if a movie can entertain more people, it's more successful. And I think this, the reason this is the best is I see how this movie appeals to old people, young people. It appeals to black people women, men, and it's excellent at all of them. And it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like off a production line, like mm -hmm. I said Pretty Woman felt like to me. It feels genuine. It feels like it's really got something to say. And so I, I really think this is just a product of being an excellent film. I don't think there's, it's like, oh, it's because it's Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. I just think yeah, it's an yeah. excellent movie. Yeah. And it's really resonated with everybody. But, the, but Jim's question was, what's the draw? So before you get to the, what an excellent film, what what brought people in yeah. and well, I think yeah, is, okay. it, is it Swayze Goldberg yeah. this is pre-sister uh, pre act though isn't it pre-sister act but she, Whoopi Goldberg was big I mean she'd already because Colour Purple was a big movie right that Spielberg right. did okay. and she was already yep, yep. in Get Ready Fish you got your finger on the button she was already in oh, Star no. Trek The Next Generation oh god yeah, she, Guinan she'd already been Guinan um, yes, mate. Wearing a very similar purple outfit to when she dresses up as Rita Miller, no, by the way. Very gynae. Kill me now. Kill me. Patrick Swayze has come out. So I, I think there was enough to get certain people interested. So there was enough to draw some audience. And I think just word of mouth was just huge. And also special yeah. effects in this movie, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, this is the first real visual, you know, not as in CGI movie that we've seen on this podcast. There's, yeah. It's, it's uh, visual effects. Yeah, and I, I didn't think of Ghost that way either, but it is—it's uh, a real visual effects movie. Yeah, and doesn't get talked about or remembered in that in that way. I is don't that think. right? Is that is is that the first visual effects that we've seen on this podcast? Yeah, outside. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. yeah, and so it would have been like a big deal. I mean, look, what was before this? What do we have? Tremors. So Tremors and Ninja Turtles going in to watch this. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, you know, pretty impressive stuff going and on. And just here. like really subtly used as well. Like I know some of it doesn't look great and you kind of know that it's a CGI effect, but it, I don't know, it just it's quite sort of charming, isn't it? It works quite well. It's like, yeah, okay, I like that. 
I don't think they're showy special effects either. No, they're not showy. Like, they're not showy. That's that's what I was. That's my point. They're kind of you know in service. It's yeah. a plot. Um, Demi Moore blew me away in this movie. Phenomenal. I was like, you know, oh my, I, you know, what a performance. Like, I just thought, yeah. incredible. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realise they made a big thing at the time about her ability to cry on camera, but yes. boy, is it impressive because they have these big long takes and they don't cut and she's crying mm-hmm. and uh-huh. it, it really, it really does have an impact on you. And yeah. whether you realise it or not, the camera is not cutting. And I think it really does... Yeah, have a big impact. But I, one, of, one of my notes that I, I wrote down, sorry, that it was just, uh, I still find the death scene hard to watch. Well, that's just uh, a great cut. And that's, it comes down to the editing. What, yeah. but go on. Well, maybe, but it's also a testament to her performance. Because yes. the way she acts, that kneeling on the ground with him in, in her arms, I was like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, it's real. That's that's how you would act. It's not... Yeah. But just the actual reveal that he's dead, where he runs away and the camera follows yes, him, yes, and then you yeah, come yeah. back and he, he sees his own body is amazing. Yeah. Uh, such a fantastic reveal. Yeah, and I guess that isn't technically an edit because it's all done in camera. Mm-hmm. But I suppose then you cut to Demi Moore. But just um, yes. fantastic, like really, really well done. Just, just like okay, so first of all, to comment on like, all of the main cast in this movie, I think do an excellent job there wasn't a mm-hmm, bad performance mm-hmm. in this movie a couple of the you know extras and stuff a few of the bit players a few dodgy yeah. lines in there but everyone is excellent in this movie you know Patrick mm-hmm. Swayze yeah. is awesome Whippy Goldberg's awesome mm. uh, I don't know the guy's name but the, the villain the C- Car- can we just name check Carl, Carl Bruner, Bruner. What, what's the actor's name uh, Tony Goldwyn that's the ca- his name is yeah he, the, the actor's name is sorry, Tony, Tony Goldwyn. Goldwyn Tony Goldwyn yeah. yes he's excellent. the villain the friend Yes. Yes, that's Carl Bruner. Yeah. yeah so, Tony fun Goldman. bit of trivia that uh, it's probably on IMDb. I didn't get it from IMDb. He was actually married to the production designer of this film. Huh. Really? Yeah. And so he was an actor, but he hadn't done anything. He was like in Friday the Thirteenth, and then somehow, uh, you know, he was married to the production designer, and they managed to swing an audition for him, and everybody loved him. He's very good. Yeah. Trivia bomb. <laughs> Um, um, but go on. So, just going back to yeah, this whole thing about the death scene, and you were saying, mm-hmm. Dave, the reveal. Another thing that I noticed while watching this is just it's very well directed. You know, it's some incredible um, shots in here. One of the ones again about the reveal is is more towards the end where Patrick Swayze takes over the body of Whoopi Goldberg, and it starts off with their hands touching, and then the camera kind of pulls round and reveals Patrick Swayze. Um, it's just that really... scene shouldn't work either, by the way. Well, it shouldn't because it's, it almost yeah. doesn't, you think. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but just the way that that shot works and the direction of it is pretty cool. Mm. Um, another shot I liked in early on in the movie is the, the mirror when they're pulling this angel in through the, mm. the window. You get this nice mirror shot where they start in the mirror and pull back. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a little bit ruined by the fact that you see some of the crew in the background. I oh, saw the no, crew a few really? times in this movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, shit. But I guess that's a, that's the problem of having a big TV these days, is you kind of you know. Oh right, <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> but any, anytime you see, how big is it, Dave? How big is TV? Go on. 65 inches. Anytime oh you see God, the, You're as um, bad as Cole Bruner. <laughs> anytime you see a computer monitor, which you see a few, you can always see the crew reflected in it. I, I found... I, I noticed it more than a few times. But, uh, yeah. Right. Well, Demi Moore is incredible. Uh, should we talk about Whoopi Goldberg? Also incredible. Oh, let's talk about Whoopi. Whoopi. I think she's she's the MVP of this film. She, she won Best Supporting Actress, fish at the Oscars for this, for this performance. Yeah. I think she's amazing. Because it, it this film is too heavy. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. It's properly emotional. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have Whoopi Goldberg, it's this film isn't a hit because she needs heavy, heavy, heavy comic relief mm. to just lighten it all up. And she, oh, it's amazing. She's so funny. Yeah, you're right. You know, if if you took her out of it, it's just such a completely different movie. Yeah. And I love the scene. I think the scene that sums it up for me is the one where Patrick Swayze is like, repeat every line I say exactly. And then yeah, word for word, and Rookie's like, "All right, I'll do it word for word." And he goes, "He goes, you're in danger. Your life's in trouble." And yeah. she goes, "Girl, your life's in danger." <laughs> Molly, you in danger. You're, girl. you're in danger, girl. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great, fantastic stuff. Molly, you're in danger. Now you can't just blurt it out like that and quit moving around, will you? Because you start to make me dizzy. I just tell her in my own way. Molly, you in danger, girl. Yeah, no, just, it's the, 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 that scene where they introduce her and she smashes through the door, I laughed out loud. Do you know what I mean? When, when uh, in, in, the, in the room. Because you guys just said that it's quite a heavy movie. And like mm. while I was watching it, I didn't feel that at all. Like I know that the, the movie is essentially about, you know, death and mortality <clears throat> and stuff and, and love that surrounds that. But while I was watching it, I didn't feel that it was that heavy. And I don't know whether it was because of Whoopi Goldberg, but... I think it's also just because, like I said earlier, it's like such a mix of genres. This movie, it's like, is it is it a is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it a love story? Is it a thriller? It's, it's everything. It's everything, and but it does it so well. Everything's done well. Yeah, so, it's yeah. a yeah, it's a real roller coaster of emotion. Yeah, um, and it, no more so than when those demons come out of the ground, right? I mean, that's the heavy stuff, Jim. Those demons. When those yeah. when those when those shadow wookies come out of the ground, <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> Like the visual effects in this film is pretty good, but those demons are shit, right? There was there's like one shot towards it when Carl Bruner gets taken away. I know exactly. There's what one shot where there's just a little demon down in the bottom. Like it looks like a like a the South Park eyes. characters just popped on yeah, the screen. Yeah. I'm gonna take you away now. <laughs> I've got a fact about these demons actually. Yeah, go on. It's a sound design fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sound of the demons is a baby crying, time stretched. Oh. And reversed. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And layered. So there's probably five or six of them going on at the same time. Knowing that, you can actually hear it and it's properly creepy. Because uh, babies crying is creepy anyway. But when you stretch it and reverse it, Jesus Christ. Cool effect. <laughs> Another observation I had um, is that certainly at the start of the movie, you know, where so when Patrick Swayze dies, and then you have this little montage, um, and it's not exactly clear like how much time is passing because it's like yes. he's at the funeral and then he's by her in bed, and you're like, has this been weeks? Mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to have been weeks or months that have gone by where he's yeah, just been following her around. Yeah. And yeah. I was watching it, and I was thinking. God, the temptation to put a voiceover over this must have been so strong, and I'm hey, so glad true. that they didn't. Yeah. Because the movie really a plays... A Swayze voiceover. Yeah, yeah. Like the Because the temp- there's just scenes that just play and you're a little bit confused. Like I said, you're not really sure what's going on. And then I swear there must have been a real temptation to have Patrick Swayze do a voiceover and go, I watched Demi for four weeks as she longed for me and missed me. And it's, like, it's so good that Memo- it's not there. Memoirs of a ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, it just yeah. feels like... There's, I could feel the studio notes yeah. wanting to yeah. put, wanting to <laughs> put the voiceover in it. And they yeah. didn't. But no, I'm glad that voice so that that whole montage sequence is a bit weird though, isn't it? Because he's like he's in bed and then the, the statue's there. And I was like, I don't really know. That that going. is one the, of all the, the things in this film, that that was probably the weirdest. Where he he gets shot, he sees his body, and then all of a sudden he sort of has 
an out of out of body experience where he he imagines he's dreaming or having a nightmare. Yes, and that the statue's smashing and he's in bed with the statue, the statue of the angel that yeah. is yeah. Which yeah. is mentioned earlier in the film, and it's it's a bit odd. And then all of a sudden it snaps back to just after he's been shot, and it's mm. what is that? Is that a filmmaking tool? What, I don't, what I don't have a read what, on that. that all about? I don't have an explanation on it. The only thing I could think of is that this movie was inspired by Macbeth, which is why Macbeth's in the, the plays there, because apparently mm. the writer watched Macbeth or read it, the play, and that is about a ghost that says, avenge me or whatever, and he was like, oh, I want to make that a movie. So maybe this is some sort of reference to Macbeth. I don't, I don't know. Right, that. yeah. Like maybe there's yeah. a sequence in it's Macbeth. very strange. I mean, it's, it's unsettling, and maybe that's... I mean, it kind of helped mm. with the whole death scene, I guess. I didn't, I, you know, the whole Macbeth thing I didn't obviously pick up on. I just kind of read it as he was being torn between, like, life and death. So he was kind of being taken away and he was in this sort of weird dream state of not knowing and just, it's almost like your life flashing before your eyes sort of thing, you know, just all these kind right. of things happening. But it mm, was kind yeah. of strange. Uh, so I want to go back to um, the fact that I think, you know, that uh, Patrick Swayze is a bit mm. of a... Patrick Bateman narcissist type character in this movie. I mean, did you guys actually like him? Yeah, why, why? I don't agree with you at all. By the yeah, way, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. The, the, this narcissist. I don't. I don't know. Where it's well, he, from. there's a few. Okay, this is. A, is it just because he's rich? No. So there's a few bits. There's there's there's, there's the lift <laughs> sequence, right, where he's um, he obviously pretends to be sick and the kind of, Then when they're but, coming uh, out of the well, oh, hold Carl, on, let's, that's Carl. Yeah, let's go do it together. Mate. He's having a laugh. He's egging him on. He's just kind of like, you know, getting along with his mate. He's just entertaining right. his okay, mate. I'll give you mate. that one. Here's some more. You ready? Come yeah. On. When they come out of the theatre show, uh, Demi Moore was like, did you like the show? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, through all the snoring. So this guy's just sat in the theatre snoring. <laughs> all these other patrons are sat there going, who's the fuck's this asshole having a kip? I'm trying to watch the show. She said the snoring was really loud. But the, Okay, I'm still not getting that. Yeah, the other read on that is that he still went to something he definitely didn't want to. Just because he slept through it and snored. Okay, yeah. here's another so, one. You ready? I've got, I've got, I've got many more. Uh, go, so what? Go. <laughs> he he torments Whoopi Goldberg to do. He sings songs all night to drive her insane so that she'll help him out. Hey man, he's got to get some shit done. He needs yeah, to. Yeah, he's got. He's got. No, but then it's serious business, okay, man. But then when he goes, when she he, she goes to the restaurant to talk to Demi Moore. Um, she's like, oh, well, how did you get her? Why are you here? And, and he's like, oh, she, he sang all night to me and, until I went crazy. And then Demi Moore's like, yeah, that's how he got, got me to go out, go, go out with him. Well, that's just a sweet story about how they met. Isn't <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> what, yeah, he, yeah. Just, he just tormented her down the phone and sung songs until she agreed to go out with him. Well, you've, all, you've assumed it's down the phone. Well, I, if he's a person, <laughs> he's more of a weird, stalky creeper, isn't he? <laughs> just breaking into a house and singing songs till she goes out with him. So please, Swayze, leave me alone. same as the first. I am rich, I am, and rich, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. All right, all right, all right, stop singing. I'll go anywhere you want to, just don't sing anymore. Yeah, also, he's a banker. <laughs> I think that's what yeah, it comes yeah. down to, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Why do you, what, what scene? I, I, I tell you, I did like him by the end, but I like him because Demi Moore likes him. And because Demi Moore likes him and Demi Moore loves him, I'm somehow convinced to like him. But there's nothing he does in the movie that makes me think I like this guy. Right, see, now that is a point that you might have <laughs> something behind. Yeah, does Sam actually... Is Sam likeable without Demi? Also, I find it kind of uncomfortable how much relish he takes in murdering his friend at the end like, like he really like torments him before he kills him like he does the whole 
I'm going to kill you, it's me, the ghost. And like he basically pushes him in front of the... He pushes the guy in front of the car and also... Well, he, I, had, yeah, I but, had this noted go down. On, yeah. Go on. But I was going to say, yeah, I mean, he goes to heaven at the end, but didn't he basically murder two people <laughs> at the end of yeah, this Yeah, but he takes film? relish in it as well. So he's, he's he does. kind of a bad guy. But that's, it's, it's, revenge. it's revenge. It's revenge, exactly. And he doesn't kill his friend, does he? That's an accident. <laughs> yeah, there's two shots that they do on purpose, actually, right. where he looks surprised that the car's coming and surprised that the big swinging yeah. hook is about to smash <laughs> the window. He doesn't actually kill either of them. No, he doesn't. No, he's just, right, yeah, okay. it's just. And I think that's obviously done on purpose. Yeah, he just nudges them in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, I just know. I mean, I love this movie because of Demi Moore. That's what I came to the realization of. And you know, if Demi loves him, it's good enough for me, guys. But I, I you know, not not my choice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, that's fine. One of the things I like about the way that Demi Moore is portrayed in this movie as well is that, I mean, even from the start where she's like sledgehammering the apartment you know she's like dressed the same as the guys and watching through this movie i always thought that she's like dressed in quite a masculine way and yeah i can see that it then dawned on me that there's a scene i think where she goes into the police station and she's wearing like a buttoned up striped shirt and Mm. i'm pretty sure i didn't go back and look but i think it is Patrick Swayze's shirt oh, from the okay. first scene. So I think she's kind of like mourning him in a way where she, like she's wearing his clothes. Oh, yeah, and that okay, kind of makes that. sense why she's dressed in this sort of more masculine way. I, mm. I think. Oh. Have, a, have a look. Have a look, listeners. That's interesting. I like it. She, there, there is a little comment where she goes, she says she goes to collect his shirt. True. Yes. Yeah. And the short hair, of course. Is that that for a leading? I'm gonna. I hate. I hate this term. Leading lady is is the short hair. It, would would that have been? This um, was a big deal. Usual. It was very unusual. A big deal and uh, central to a, a joke in the in an episode of Friends, which you may have seen. Aware. Ah uh, yes. Oh, yes. Dudley Moore. Of course. <laughs> of course. This is how he wears it. How? Who wears it? To me, more. <laughs> Demi Moore is not a he. Well, he was a he in Arthur and in Den. (laughs) That's Dudley Moore. I said I wanted it like Demi Moore. Oh. Oh! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Which one is Demi Moore? She's the actress! There was a disclosure, indecent proposal, ghost! Oh, she's got gorgeous hair. <laughs> All stems from that's this movie. Amazing. All stems from this movie. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's I think brilliant. a full G.I. Jane, though. <laughs> Not till later. Yeah. Um, have you seen um, uh, the Dennis Penis sketch where he goes up to Demi Moore as well? Probably, yeah. but not I'll, I'll redo it because there was a Dennis Pennis, for those listening, I don't know, it was a shock DJ, that you know, shock interviewer that would never be allowed to exist now. He used to run up to celebrities on the catwalk and uh, ask them really offensive questions. And the two most famous ones for me was when he runs up to Steve Martin and goes, Steve, 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 why aren't you funny anymore? And Steve oh. Martin cancelled all his interviews for the next week and refused to do press after that happened. Oh and then the, the other one... Took up the banjo. Re- <laughs> yeah, the other one that I remember is when he ran up to Demi Moore and went, Demi, 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 if it, if it was classfully and tastefully done, would you keep your clothes on in a movie? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, okay. But I thought when I watched this, I was fully expecting her to get naked, and she didn't. So I was like, Dennis, 
you didn't really have a, a leg to stand on here because you know she's not she's not that must have been post uh post striptease yeah. yes yeah. did you know did you guys notice um because it, it whoopi goldberg going back to whoopi said it in an interview about five six years ago and then i never noticed but now i notice it all the time whoopi goldberg doesn't have eyebrows i never noticed this really no. She never had right. eyebrows. Never has had eyebrows we're, we're, in any movie she's ever we're done. Just having a quick <laughs> Google image. <laughs> quick look. Didn't have eyebrows in Ghost. And I suggest everybody listening does the same thing. Oh, you're right. She doesn't. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> oh what my goodness. <laughs> but why don't you know? Well, <laughs> because she's so expressive. She's got the brows, just not the hair. Does Guinan have eyebrows? No. Whoopi Goldberg does not have eyebrows. Yeah, but they might have painted them on. No. No. <laughs> I'm blowing these guys' minds. Oh my goodness. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's mental. <laughs> Trivia bomb. One of the things that I noticed that, uh, and I don't know how to bring this up sensitively, like about the race relations in this movie, because there's there's a couple of well, there's at least two lines. Standby, I, work, police. I counted <laughs> where Whoopi's character seems to dislike white people. She says yes. to Patrick Swayze, like you, you know. Are you white or? Uh, yeah. And it just seemed very weird and out of place. I'll add to that, Jim. I noticed that, and I also noticed that again off the back of Die Hard Two. Here we are in a movie with a very strong dislike of policemen and the police. When she yeah. goes to the police station, I was when I on this one, I was like race relations. Yeah, pretty bad, pretty tense. Um, dislike of the police. Oh yeah, Rodney King is just around the corner. So Rodney King. I'm assuming some people may not know, not know, is the famous police incident where uh, a video recording of policemen beating a black man, Rodney King, with pipes and sticks on video cameras recorded, went to court, and then those cops were found innocent, and it sparked the LA riots mm -hmm. in, in America. So that we're firmly, that's just around the corner. And I feel like when I watch Die Hard 2 and I watch Ghost, I can feel all that bubbling up in Americana, and then it will explode into real life. So this was very much, I think, just... The world that everyone lived in, and you know, and you can, you can it's see. It's nice it. to know that you don't repeat these mistakes, <laughs> isn't it? That we've learned from the nineties. But it's terrible. I, I just couldn't figure it out in the context of the movie, though. There wasn't. I think any it's just the reason for it. Do you think? You think Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's in it's in it's in Die Hard with Vengeance as well, isn't it? Yeah. With Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis. It's like at the end. Jim, it's still America now, mate. I mean, well, you know. There's the, simmering racial tension everywhere. At the very end of the movie, like when Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze are saying goodbye to each other, he's about to walk into the light. You know, yeah. she's, she says something like, oh, you know, you're all right. Mm. And I was expecting that to be followed up for a white guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, just because she'd been like talking about Give it. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> all the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Shall we talk a little bit about Train Man? Man on the Train. I didn't remember oh, yes. him. I really want to talk about Train Man. Yeah. Because as, as a child, I think this was my favourite scene. Well, I, as I like to refer to him, Homeless Morpheus. <laughs> homeless Morpheus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's air you're breathing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he oh, literally no. says that. <laughs> it's all in your mind. The problem with you is you still think you're real. You think you're wearing those clothes? You think you're crouched on that floor? You think that's air you're breathing now? 
But this this is this is Sam Wheat's superhero moment, isn't it? This is where he learns to become super ghost, yeah. 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 or I suppose a poltergeist, actually. Um, who, who you know you can move objects, but it's literally <laughs> this is like the, your, your superhero origin moment. Yeah, it is. It's the dojo. It's the dojo powers. scene. I, I, I'm convinced the Wachowskis watched this <laughs> movie. <laughs> That's incredible. There's even a scene in the, in the sequel, the Matrix sequel, which is set in a train. Absolutely, yeah. like yeah. station. It's just like obviously this. had a big impact. So uh, yeah, I like this guy. What's this uh, this actor been in? Because I've recognised him. And I didn't want to look it up because I wanted to ask the question here. I, He's super familiar. Yes, he is super familiar. He's definitely an art house guy. I'm feeling maybe yeah. French. Let's have a look. Is it Vincent? French? Vincent I feel like Chia, he's done some... Chiavelli. Yeah, was I'd he in some it, French movies, Jim? So I thought he was in Crazy People at one point, but I'm not sure. No, you know what right. he's in? I know, I've just remembered. Well, uh, it's not an IMDb, this is, it's come to me. It's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Knowledge. Ah, yes, of course. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. But that's not where I know him from. Go on, we'll list some others he's been um, in. Actually, was he in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest? I said that, but... I, I, th- I, think, I think he, he was, is. Dave. I think oh, you know, where he, you know what he was in that you know him from, Fish? Who? He was in Batman Returns. He's the guy with the monkey. That might be it. That might be he was, it. He was, he might oh, be and I can't Returns. believe I'm going to say it, but he was, he was in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Boom. Fucking Boom. <laughs> He, his character name was the Peddler, I think. <laughs> the Peddler. <laughs> Peddler. Oh, he was like a Batman he, villain. He was also in the Three Ninjas Knuckle Up. Don't forget that, guys. Was, was he in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I'm pretty sure he was. Oh, he is. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. I you would like... think that would be in the known from on IMDb, but it's not. Was right, this is boring. Like... This is three guys looking on the internet. Come on. Um, yeah, so enjoyed Train Man. That was a nice little tangent of the movie. That was I enjoyed that. Again, it was like an, almost it was like a horror movie thing, wasn't it? So, did you you guys think he committed suicide and was in denial about committing suicide? That was my read on it. Uh, no, it wasn't my read. He was I pushed. Thought, I think he was pushed. Yeah, I think he was pushed. It's just because yeah. he jumps into the train at the end, and I thought oh, he does then jump at the end. Is that what you know? Really but you might be right, Dave. Actually, think, thinking about it, that is. That is entirely plausible that he he committed suicide and is in some sort of denial yes. about it, and that's part of his reason why he's sort of stuck. He's not in. He's in purgatory. Yeah. So stuck. yeah, the movie. Yeah. So this is worth talking about. Is this, is 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 is, is the, Do we think Sam stayed behind because it was some sort of purgatory and he had to yeah solve his death before he could move on? Is that is yeah. that the reader? Well, what, what I noticed. Well, it's a, it's what I noticed. Class- that, sorry to interrupt you, Fish, but it's that classic sort of unfinished business thing, isn't it? Mm. You have to deal with everything before you're able to pass on yeah did Casper deal with that I think so <laughs> I remember there was there was a film that, that used unfinished business as a yeah a you're right oh. yeah maybe that was Casper yeah. um, I think it's a classic trope though isn't it of the ghost story yeah you yeah. have to but, but what I was saying was what I noticed at the time is when when he first gets shot mm. and then the heavenly lights mm-hmm. come down he he walks away just as Demi Moore says, "Don't leave me, Sam." Yeah, and then and then he runs out. That of the was light, another thing. You know, I'm glad you brought it up again, Fish. When he's lying in the street, right, and he's been shot, and he's standing over yeah. his body, and yeah. she's trying to bring him back. Every single one of us, weren't you? I was shouting at my TV, "Just sit back into your body, Swayze." We all know how this works. You just lay back down into your body. <laughs> And then you'll come back to life, won't you? You you try it at least once. He doesn't even try it. it. Yeah, but he doesn't know that power. We yet, all know it. Said, you know. If you're looking <laughs> over your body and you're a ghost, you're like, I need to get back into my body to get resurrected. Would you think that would be your instinct? Absolutely. You 100%. Saw your, if that happened I don't tomorrow, think it that's would. what I'd be doing. I'd be like, just lay down, 
in my on my corpse, you know, and hope that I get transported I think you'd back pull to my the body. Weird spooked out face that they, everyone pulls when they see their dead bodies I don't think you'd do that I think you'd but the thing is they do it later didn't they because that's how he possesses Whoopi so it's like you know come on he should have tried it and floated through his own body or like it wouldn't have worked I was like that is, yeah but he's know, in shock like, oh, he doesn't know what's whoop. going on does he <laughs> yeah exactly he's very yeah. confused I mean if I'd obviously if I'd died and I was looking down on my body I mean also you know he should have gone damn I look good I look fine oh no Demi I'm <laughs> sorry come back we'd all take a moment to stare at our own ass wouldn't we before getting emotional <laughs> our girlfriend was <laughs> Jim that's a Marvel movie reference <laughs> oh I just got oh my it God. <laughs> very good yeah yeah <laughs> that's America's ass that's right Swayze should have done that that's Roadhouse's ass yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is America's ass. Um, I don't have anything more to say about this movie other than it's excellent. Again, so uh, yeah, really good. I've I, I've just one or two things to say actually. I was I was surprised in the rewatch, knowing that the the pottery scene is so famous and mm-hmm. mimicked and mm-hmm. copied. The pottery fuck scene is ten minutes into. Yeah, this movie. I agree. Yeah, I also I thought, wow, this that. happens really early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Good lord!" But I thought it was going to come back later, and it doesn't. I thought we were going to no, redo it as a ghost, but no. That's what I thought happen. too. Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, because I, I had a look, and I was, uh, yeah, the the parody scene in Naked Gun, two yes. and a half, mm. I believe it is. Because uh, I, so the director of this movie was uh, what was his name? Was, uh, Zucker. Zucker. Which which Zucker was it? I can't remember now. David? Uh, Jerry Zucker. Jerry. Um, but yeah, it was David Zucker, his brother, who directed uh, Naked Gun because these guys were sort of, you know, comedy guys. They did Airplane and a couple of other things. So it's quite a departure, really, for Jerry Zucker to do something like this because it's not an Absolutely. Out comedy. Um, and it's- so some trivia bombs is that, so yeah, Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Zucker wanted to do a serious film, um, very much so wanted to do it, and... Um, he apparently knew some people at Paramount. I think this is a Paramount movie. Yeah. Um, and um, he was like, you know, I really want to do a serious movie. And they were like, well, the best script we've got is this movie, Ghosts. And he's like, read it. And he's like, yeah, I absolutely want to do it. And they rang the script writer and they said, you know, we've got a director for your movie. And the script writer's like, I've heard him tell this story. The script writer was like, oh, you know, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. So, you know, have got someone going to direct my script. And they went, Jerry Zucker wants to direct it. And apparently he cried. <laughs> oh, my God. And literally thought, obviously, I'm going to get, they're going to turn my script into Airplane. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, then Jerry, Jerry Zucker rang him and he said, let's go for dinner and talk about everything but my script. And apparently they had like an hour, two hour conversation and really got on, had a great time. And uh, then they rewrote the script together because the script writer wanted Jerry Zucker to feel invested in the movie. And he was worried if a director just came in and just to direct the script that he wouldn't feel invested. So they rewrote it together from scratch. And uh, apparently that was really constructive. And the same thing kind of happened. Again, more trivia bombs from Dave. This is I got all of this from the behind the scenes on the on the DVD, um, all of the, you know, the the yeah, the digital copy. Is that um, Patrick Swayze obviously didn't was not the first choice to be this movie. They didn't want Patrick Swayze. They went through every actor in Hollywood before Patrick Swayze. Zary Zucker said, "I don't want the guy from Roadhouse." And Swayze really campaigned for it and had to do auditions, which he was big enough to not audition to get mm-hmm. the movie. And then when he came on, uh, he said, "I wanted Whoopi Goldberg." They didn't want Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg for the movie. They were taking it to um, Oprah Winfrey and more serious actresses. 
yeah. And then Patrick Swayze was like, I want, I want Whoopi Goldberg to do it. Mm. And got her, got her the movie. So yeah, so these things all happen for a reason. Yeah. Can we talk about uh, Willie Lopez? We haven't talked about him. You, you, you want to talk about Willie or as Lopez? I like to refer to him, Latino Steven Tyler. Dude looks like a lady. <laughs> Every time he was on screen, I had Aerosmith songs playing in my head. Did you not think? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's like coming on screen. I'm like, crying. <laughs> Only now you've said it. <laughs> Flash him up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's in the images now. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, come on. I didn't see no. that. I've got to be okay, honest. I can't expect him to bust into song. Or, I thought this guy, uh, you know, this... take legal custody of a 14-year-old girl and marry her. Uh-oh. You Google that in your own time. Sound the siren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Let me just stop you real Go quick. On, just because I don't want to get into any legal trouble, the girl that Steve and Tyler under, you know, that took custody of to marry was 16, not 14. So, you know, just just want to <laughs> be clear <laughs> on that. On that sure. Point. Yeah, carry on. I was going to say, so, I mean, the whole plot of this film, essentially, is... Some unnamed drug dealers convince Carl Bruner, who's a banker, to transfer four million pounds of money from somewhere into their accounts. And Carl Bruner apparently only takes eighty thousand pounds of this money, which is mm. an amazingly low amount. Um, and Willie Lopez, at some point, is the hired gun of of Carl Bruner, yeah. who needs to steal Patrick Swayze's wallet, but accidentally kills him and and that leads into the whole unraveling of the film yeah, yeah. um but it's sort of a weird plot isn't it that who are these drug dealers that have got a hold of carl bruno it's not it's not really it's not really i thought he was laundering or, or money important. for them wasn't he that's my read on it yeah he was, he was. Well, he was transferring money around yeah, yeah and he was yeah. taking a nice cut percentage of it yeah not that much not though. that much but i don't think that how much was he getting sorry 80,000 80, yeah. 80 grand out of 44 million 4 million yeah yeah yeah, just a weird little. Maybe that was more in. You should. You should have haggled for a higher percentage fish. You're not doing that for less than than less than what? How much? You, how much are you taking to launder some money? It's got to be a million. A million. But that's yeah. why he can only afford, you know, street thug, Willie, whatever street his thug, name. Willie, yeah, Lopez. Willie Lopez. No, yeah, yeah I think I guess I, I found that a little bit problematic that we've got some guy Willie Lopez that was given no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Uh, not told anything about Willie's story. I guess that's the, he's the he's the worst drawn character in the film, isn't he? In in, in otherwise, what's an excellent movie? I, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. He's because uh, even like I really like they're, they're very small characters and parts, and we'll get onto them later a little bit. But like uh, Whoopi Goldberg's two friends, yeah, yeah, that work yeah. With her. Yeah, I think I think they're given names. They got they're they're, they're fun they're fun little part. I was just looking at uh, old uh, Willie Lopez, so the actor that played him. Rick Aviles, Aviles, yeah, um, quite a career he had. Uh, yeah, any Star Trek episodes? No Star Trek episodes from what I can see. Wasted. He's, he's kind of he would have made a great alien. Bit part guy. He did uh, Godfather Part Three, Carlito's Way. He mm. was in Waterworld. Unfortunately, died yeah. in 1995, and his last oh. IMDb credit was as a cockroach voice in Joe's Apartment. Oh, I love it. Remember that? Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I do. We'll get to Joe's apartment, don't you worry. Oh, oh will we? Get there. But yeah, weak, uh, weak character, weak actor, I thought, in this movie. That yeah, it wasn't happen. great. Yeah. It wasn't great. But it didn't, didn't hamper my overall enjoyment of yeah. the film. Yeah, And he has a great death, right? 
Great death. Yeah. yeah. Great death. You've been listening to The 90s Repeated, a show put together by three guys in their spare time. I'm paid to be here. They are not. Please help them by joining their Patreon at patreon.com slash the 90s repeated. Put your feet up. Get yourself a cup of tea. It's time for categories. Okay, and we're back. It is time for categories. Are you guys ready? Not your fucking business, Jim. All right, here we go. Best line from the movie. Um, Ditto made an impact, didn't it? I mean, I think... Oh, Ditto. Sort of thinking about this, I seem to remember... This is like sort of a heavily ridiculed line from a movie, isn't it? It's always thought of being quite cheesy as a line from the movie. Yeah, I think so. I think I think if anyone says Ditto, I think it's got have, you've got to have ghost in the back of your mind. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. Ditto, tell her Ditto. That was Ditto. Ditto. Girl, you're you're in danger, girl. Yeah, that's good. Any any of Whoopi Goldberg's lines is what I was going to say. But I really like which I actually really like the moment as stupid as it is when she says, "Are you white?" <laughs> like, because of all the things she should be bothered about <laughs> at that moment in time, the fact that he's white. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Where exactly are you? I'm standing right beside you. Oh, you're standing right beside me. Well, honey, we're right here. Are you white? What? White. You're white, aren't you? Oh, God. you know what I think? Yes, I'm going to call the doctor right now. I knew it. It's a white guy. Why me? Listen, damn it. You are going to help me. And there's one, there's one more that she says, which made me laugh. She just, I think it's more in the delivery than the line, probably. I don't but, want no more to do with this, okay? Wait. But, where you going? What do you mean, where am I going? I'm leaving. I did everything I said I was going to do, and don't be following me, because I'm finished, and I mean it. Have a nice life. Have a nice death. Goodbye. Next category. This is a new category. New category. We have a new category. Yeah. Here we go. Nitpicks and shit bits. Nitpicks and shit bits. <laughs> shit bits. Well, basically, this is the uh, the category where we get to vent. This is the whole podcast. But, yeah, it? basically. Yeah. We should have called the podcast that. Nitpicks and shit bits. But the reason I wanted to include nitpicks and shit bits yep. is because it was pissing me off the whole time. How can he sit on a chair? Yeah, the physics of this movie is all over the Don't place. Make any sense? How can he go upstairs? How can he stand on a train? How can he sit in a car? He sat in the back of a taxi yeah, at one point. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, none of that makes any sense. Nitpick. Yeah, it was the one thing that I was thinking about the whole way through this movie. It didn't cross my mind once. I was captivated by Demi's performance. <laughs> Nobody cries out of one eyeball. Who does that? Demi Moore. Yeah. Demi, Demi Moore. It's impressive, but no one really cries out of one eye. I cried out of one eye on the way home while I was watching this movie on the train. Yeah, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> just for the just for the listeners, uh, you know, for their information, I we don't get a lot of time to watch these movies sometimes, and I had to watch this film in bits today. I started at home this morning. I watched a little bit more on my lunch break on my phone, and I watched I watched the end of it on my tube journey home on the train. <laughs> How the director intended, I think. Well, not... Meanwhile, there's a video on TikTok of going viral of some guy on a train alone watching. The this end is of exactly Ghost what I was exactly. Home. I was that guy, like the weirdo on the train, just watching the end of Ghost, having oh, a little cry to myself. My love, my darling. Did you get emotional at the end, Fish? Did you get emotional at the end? Uh. No, I tend not... I don't like... Um, what's the word? 
Emotion. Feelings. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can honestly say I didn't. Uh, no. I shut myself down many years ago. But um, I can appreciate that it is emotional. I mean, I cry at Love Actually. That's probably the, the only film right. I will weep at. Oh, and listeners, Everything boy, does he is. cry at Love Actually. I've, I've bear witness to this. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, baby. <laughs> it's when Alan Rickman gets caught. That's when he starts crying. <laughs> It's not fair. Why can't Alan get away with it? <laughs> okay, next category. Recast this. Pick a 90s actor and recast the movie to make it better. Now, in my in my very limited research of... Because I don't like doing too much research. I like having you guys tell me the facts. It's more interesting for me. Yeah. But I believe that Bruce Willis was actually approached at one point to do this film. Yeah. At, who was married to De- Demi Moore at the time, interestingly. Mm. And, I and then went on to make thinking, The Sixth Sense. Well, this is the yes, thing. That's yeah. why. That's why he made Sixth Sense. Yeah, that, that may have been it. Yeah, he, he was like, fuck! Yeah. But I think he this could have worked with Bruce Willis. I um, think Bruce would have been good in this. He's yeah, got the, absolutely. the sort of, you know, masculinity and comedic chops. He's a bit more macho than Patrick Swayze. But, that, but that's what's good about Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze is macho in, in Roadhouse and Point Break. Mm. But but it becomes this sort of soft touching ghost. But I think yeah, he, he was all all man in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think Bruce Willis could have pulled off the banker aspect of the character. Oh, I don't think Bruce is a banker. I don't think he is. Um, but when I was sat there watching it, thinking I don't really like um, Swayze in this role, there was an actor that came to me, a 1990s actor, and I was like, you know what? He would have fucking smashed this role. And do you know who I said? I thought, no, go on. Alec Baldwin. I think Alec Baldwin would have smashed You love this. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> well, I think you take Hunt for Red October, Alec Baldwin, and put him in this movie. I like it more because Alec is sensitive. He's also played a bit of a rich banker asshole. He, he did the Glen Glary, Glen Ross. Um, and I think he would have killed this role. Would Alec Baldwin have accidentally shot Demi Moore, though? <laughs> <laughs> I can't get to the button in time. Should we have a look at the other actors that were approached for this? Because I know like every actor in I'm, town. I'm aware of a couple. Look. Yeah. Go on. Paul Hogan, I believe, was approached. The Crocodile for this. Dundee. The wrestler. Crocodile Dundee <laughs> was. Uh, I'm not sure if he turned it down <laughs> or he was. Uh, he was uh, dismissed, but um, he then went on to do the film Almost an Angel. Crikey. Yeah. Um, which maybe we'll get to when we do. What film did this better? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here are some actors. You ready Go for on. this? Go on. Um, so Kevin Bacon. Apparently Baldwin was considered, so I think Baldwin could have... Nicolas Cage doesn't do it for me. Oh, my God. Kevin Costner would have worked. Big I time. agree. Costner o- Almost copy and paste, isn't it? Kevin Costner. He's better. I like Kevin. Kevin Costner would have worked. Tom Cruise would have worked. Tom Ooh, Cruise I don't know if Tom Cruise would have. Ah, come on. Cruise works. Johnny Depp? No, doesn't do it for me. Too weird. Ooh. David Duchovny, no way. David Duchovny? Well, maybe he just put himself forward. Sure. Har- Harrison Ford doesn't really work for me. I think Mel Gibson could work. No, not with that perm. I think Mel yeah, works. Yeah, Mel would have worked. Yeah, Tom Hanks, no. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Tom Hanks is no, not masculine Hanks enough. Paul Hogan, no, we've said that. Uh, Kevin Klein, no. Dennis Quaid, I don't think he... Quaid. No, Dennis Quaid's never had like the real star power for me. Same for like Mickey Rourke. I like Dennis Quaid, but I don't think they're leading leading men. Have you never seen Dragon John Travolta could have worked. I think you've got to be a bit wet. What are you going with, Jim? Are you sticking with Swayze or are you changing it out for one of them? Do I have to go with one of those you just read out? 
Yeah, yeah I, 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 those ones I just read out. Are you sticking with Swayze or are you swapping I'm it for one of them? Swayze. Sticking with Swayze. I, like I think I'd stick with Swayze yeah. as well, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with I'm going with Kevin Costner. Next category. Kill the lead. You have to kill the lead Brilliant in the movie. Category. Absolutely textbook example of killing the lead. Isn't it? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and and we get the next category too. Come next on. category. What? Food from the movie. Oh, not that. I was, music, I, was think, I was thinking musical number, of which we definitely got one. All right. I think we can skip over food from the movie, because I don't think there is any in this. All no, right. there Next isn't. category, musical number. Yeah, we got, we got it. it. We got it. I mean... Boy, did oh, we yeah. get it. It's quite nice. Many, many years before Robson and Jerome kicked in. Those two fellas from Soldier Soldier. Those two fellas from Soldier Soldier. Unchained Melody. Oh, my God. And does it come back and back and back this song i like it though i think it's great i think it works well in it this movie. works doesn't it yeah it really does okay next category the bechdel test also known as the bechdel wallace test a measure of representation of women in fiction i had to have a real think about this mm-hmm. because I, I don't think it passes it doesn't because because i think no, it, it does ev- what it does pass. Well, explain how it passes, well, and you will be instantly debunked. Yeah. Well, there's two ways. They're both kind of technicalities. Yeah. Well, you can't pass on a technicality. No. Well, is it a technicality? Whoopi Goldberg does talk to Demi Moore, and she, as she is re-saying the lines to her from Swayze, those aren't lines about a man. But she is telling her, girl, you're in danger, is not about a I man. I mean, they're having a conversation. Literally a man talking through her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So yes, that is, he's telling okay. her what to so say. The other, the other technicality, again, a bit of a technicality. They are kind of talking about a man. Is that obviously she's talking? That there's the two friends that work with Whoopi. They, I think they're named. They have character names. I'm pretty sure. No, they're not named they're in the film. They're not. Mm, okay. Does not pass. All right, doesn't pass. Also, it's a really, it's a really good example of not passing, isn't it? Because every, every, the whole movie revolves around the man. It's got this film has three leads, doesn't it? Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. Whoopi, Demi, Swayze, mm-hmm. and at some point those two should have had a chat about something that was not other than Swayze. Yeah. Other than Swayze, but I think that's why you know this category is interesting because, like you just said, there are three leads in this movie and two of them are women. So yes. it's kind of like, well, it's doing something right. It is, but this movie would have been much better served if Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg had a conversation and got to know each other on like a human level about anything. Like if we had a scene where they talked about anything. Yeah, their whole relationship was about Sam Wheat. Wasn't it, it would have been a lot better. Like it's a, it's a real missed opportunity or a shame, I think, that they don't get to kind of know each other, mm-hmm. the two of them. Just have a scene where she asks her about herself, like what's her story? Like, you know, yeah. Demi, come yeah. on. Next category. Would this movie be better non-linear? The only reason I'm tempted to say yes is because I really hate how long they keep the reveal of the friend as the villain. It's like it's an hour in, but then Fish obviously said when he was eight years old, he didn't. It's like, just tell us that up front. Just have a scene at the beginning where we know the friend's the villain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's insanity. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I just think it doesn't work. That bit of the movie. Well, it maybe does it works work. if you're eight years old. If, you, if, you're, if you're an idiot and a simpleton <laughs> and a child, it works Who lives great. in an incestuous household. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, yeah. <laughs> it, it works perfectly. <laughs> if you live in some sort of nudist pottery utopia. Yes. 
Yeah, movie mm. goes down a treat. Um, I don't think that. So no, not no, better. Not better. I don't think there's anything wrong with the the linear narrative of it. There was one thing that I did think when so when Demi Moore goes to the police station. And she finds out that Whoopi Goldberg's character has got like a, a record, a past record. Mm. I did think at that point it would be good if at that point we didn't know Sam Wheat was talking to Whoopi Goldberg. And she, she kind of came out and just started speaking to Demi Moore. That's very, very good, good. That, Jim. And then, then, then maybe we get a reveal halfway through the movie that, that he's, he's actually real. real and talking to it. Like, or I, I actually just got chills. That's, a, that's what, what a great... What a great twist. Next category. Does another movie do this better? Now, this is tricky. What are we going with here? Because, yeah, it, are we going with... Uh, co- we're not going with comedy. We're not going with supernatural comedy. I mean, what I'm going with ghosts walking around as real... I'm going with The Sixth Sense, I think, is a better movie if you go down that. May, may I... Will you allow me to list a go few? On. Well, yeah, let's just say ghost comedies, right? Ghost comedies. I, I, can, I, I think I can think of one more. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be better. R.I.P.D. Awful movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Frighteners. Oh, that's a good Love movie. It. Good yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. We've got Ghost Dad. Have no strong memory of Ghost Dad. Ghost Town with Ricky Gervais. Awful. Yeah. Scrooged. Fish. Come on now. Who are you gonna call Fish? I think in terms of tone, The Frighteners is the only thing that comes close, where it does horror, comedy, yeah, um, bit of romance. Thriller, yeah. But I still think this is better, thriller, where it's kind of trying to do everything. Yeah. yeah. Casper. Casper's also a good yeah. shout. It's a good movie, Casper. Next category, memorabilia. What memorabilia do you want from this movie? I didn't have to think about this at all, but go on. Oh, Carry really? On. Go on. Well, I want one of those f- fucking awesome record-playing jukeboxes. Oh, oh yeah, the jukebox cool, cool. is cool. I want, I want the New York penthouse apartment. Can I have that, please? Is it bad that I settled my final answer was Whoopi Goldberg's outfit when she goes <laughs> to the bank? Yeah, yeah. You two have gone with quite cool things there. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's I've, I've gone outfit with the bright from the bank. Please, please throw it in the in the image because to remind people. Shit. <laughs> Next category, weak and strong. What is the weakest thing about this movie and what is the strongest thing? I think this is quite a general generalism Let's category, isn't it? Should we go the strongest first? Go on. Well, it's Demi Moore for me, yeah. All over. Amazing. Well, I think it's Whoopi. Okay. Whoopi did this, win the this, Oscar. I think, yeah, I think this film without Whoopi Goldberg is a very different beast. I could have put Eddie Murphy I, in you, it, though. I think you need, <laughs> you, need, yeah, you need that high comedy to combat that sort of high yeah. emotion it, it balances out balances it out really nice. I'd be interested when we get to Sister Act whether it tops this because this does feel like the Whoopi Goldberg performance doesn't it like I, when I think of Whoopi Goldberg it's Ghost and Sister Act so I'll see if mm-hmm. yeah. what Sister Act or Guinan but I mean it's weird because she although she's Guinan it, it's such a a nothing part isn't it like, yeah, yeah Guinan she just stop to talking about Star Trek, Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving yeah. on okay <laughs> one of the things we haven't we haven't mentioned yet just on the on the on the potential strong point is the uh outside of unchained melody mm. uh the soundtrack to this film has a hook there's a there's, there's a theme to this film um 
which I'll play now. Uh, and it's by Maurice Jarre, who's the composer. Um, yes. Which I think works really well. It's 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 a emotional little hook. I, I do wonder if he took Unchained Melody and and used the same key and some of the same notes in it, so it so it tied together. But it really works, I think, in the film. I don't know if you remember it, you two, if you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't remember it specifically, but now that you've mentioned it, I thought the the scoring wasn't that good. And it kind of took me out of it a little bit. There was something a bit cheesy about it. It is a bit cheesy. Maybe that's history talking. Yeah, but, potentially, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but it is a theme. It, this film has a theme. Right, okay. You know what I mean? You could play it in a pub quiz, for example, and say, what's mm, this? Mm. what's this theme from? You know, and you and you'd get some answers. It's um, a pub quiz. I'm not winning. Crikey! <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's there. It is a theme. Okay. It's okay. a little hook. Yeah. Next category: remake, sequel, or Paul Feig gender swap. I'm amazed, given the box office of this film, that we didn't get a sequel. Me too. I remember thinking that. I was like. How did we never get a sequel or spin-off to this? Now, I think it must be down to the rights, like maybe because they weren't anticipating it to be a big smash. The screenwriter maybe held on to it, like in the same way Back to the Future. God bless. Because cause they did get a they did there was a ghost musical. So that's oh, yeah. the only Holy thing. shit. Yes, there was, was, wasn't there? That's the only spin-off we've had. Mm, right, yeah. Was that based on the film, though? Mm, or, yeah. Yeah, it was, right. Yeah. Not like a Harry Potter sequel mm, kind of thing. No. So in that kind of situation, I think there must have been so much pressure to do a sequel or do something. I can only, I'm, I can only speculate that, yeah, that, that it, the writer held some sort of rights and didn't want to do it. Because it's, it's obvious, isn't it? Because there's so much to play with. Well, is there... I mean, what, what would the sequel be? Should we pitch our ideas for a sequel? I mean, you have to bring Whoopi back and you've got to bring Demi back. So maybe Demi dies in the sequel, right? And Whoopi's got to help her. I mean, I get, you know, what else could it be? I mean, that's actually not... I don't I think that's... I would watch that. I did have a, a little look into this. Apparently there, there are... Two, well, from what I found, there are at least two remakes of this movie. Um, one, one was made a year later in 91. I think it was um, an Indian production. And it was a, literally a shot-for-shot yeah. shot remake of Ghost. Wow. Uh, and then I think in about 2010, there was like a Japanese... Ghost in... A Japanese... <laughs> Dear Lord. There was a, a Japanese uh, remake as well. I know, about, I know about the Japanese remake. It's called Ghost in Your Arms, because I looked that one up okay. as well. I was going to say, just for shits and giggles, do, do we try and uh, do a Paul Feig gender swap on this movie? Paul Feig gender swap... The Japanese remake does actually do that. It gender swaps okay. it. Okay. Oh, okay. It's it's the girl who dies. Next category. What's not woke? Willie Lopez. Why is Willie Lopez not woke? Because he's just some sort of throwaway ethnic minority criminal, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't. They, you know. You, I just don't think you can just have that kind of character now. You'd need to flesh him out a little bit and give him some sort of story. Mm -hmm. And then the black woman is the loud comic relief because it's whippy. She wins an Oscar for it, and it's fine, I guess. But that. I mean. It, it could have been handled badly. I think this movie handles it pretty well. But like the black comic relief side character is a bit of a trope now, isn't it? But this is kind of like the best version of that, so it's kind of okay. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I go with that. Is there anything else? I'd argue Patrick Swayze being an absolute tool in the movie. I still don't get that. That's that is just you, Dave. It's the banker thing. Yeah. You've got a real issue with bankers. 
<laughs> you know, I'm sorry, they just tanked the economy and wrenched us all for our money. Yeah, sorry. You know what? Politics. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you are a banker listening, you're a cunt. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think is the legacy of this movie? I had a, I, I had a specific question here. Mm. Because I don't know about... We didn't establish... In fact, we did establish it. Sorry. Dave watched it alone in his cine, cinema Dolby Surround experience. Jim watched it in seven <laughs> chunks on the tube while he's cycling, having a bath, masturbating in the shower. I watched it with my significant other. Is this still, because I feel it isn't, a chick flick? Is this a go-to chick flick? Or has it aged out? I think it's aged out, and I don't. Well, I don't know if it, the movies we've we've aged. I think out. it's aged out. I think people still go back and watch Pretty Woman. I don't think people go back and watch Ghost. I think it's because Demi Moore isn't popular with women. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. I don't feel like women like her in the same way they like Julia Roberts and um, maybe Sandra Bullock. There's something about Demi that I don't think. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. I, I can kind of see that. Yeah, she's not got right. the. Maybe it's the legacy that she, Sandra Bullock and Julia Roberts, still put out movies and still have a bit of a legacy. And it's Demi's bit of a strange career, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. What was the point we were making? The 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 legacy of the movie. Yeah, so I I I I think it has aged a little bit. Um, I think like our, I think my mum's generation. Still mass. It was a massive movie for if you were if you were in your twenties or thirties at the time. Huge. I think that it's really underappreciated now. I mean, that's obviously we're all film fans or films. That Ghost doesn't get talked about as a great movie. It is a great, great movie. It's a Best Picture nominee. Uh-huh. It's a really good film, mm-hmm. just on every level. And I think it's yeah, yeah. I'll certainly now be talking about Ghost as a great movie. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have done that before this podcast. Yeah. But I think that's why we do this podcast as well, because we talk about the 90s as being this sort of golden era of filmmaking. And it was an era of these sort of unique movies and risks and stuff, which you don't get anymore. So I think that's why it stands out and and why we talk about the 90s in the way that we do. things about relationships that that it doesn't matter who you are what race you are or or that it's important to give 100% of yourself the more relationships fall by the wayside because of, because of us protecting that little burden side for fear that if we let it out there and let the person know how much we care that we'll be destroyed or that love will be walked on or, or will just be taken for granted which would be the worst it'll validate who you are as a human being and that love is what's important and I think it's going to be a classic. It'll make you feel better. 